Hey, we got a special guest bringing you God's word this morning. Um, part of, so for those of you that don't know, you're in a four-square church. So if you stumbled in here looking for free coffee, you got the free coffee and you're in here like, okay, what's this about? We're a four-square church, which is a Pentecostal church. One of the distinctives of Foursquare was founded by a woman, uh, Amy Simple McPherson. Uh, if you know anything about history, back in the, the 10s and 20s, uh, McPherson started in the Salvation Army and was an evangelist. And she really took the gospel to areas that were not normally reached. She went on the other side of the tracks. In fact, there's a great story when she was in Texas and she was going to go to the minority population. And, and she asked, hey, where are all the African Americans? Where are all the Hispanics? Where are all the minorities in your area? It's like, well, we don't invite them here. And they can't come here uh, where the, the original environment was. And she says, okay, well, we'll just reschedule. I will go to them. And you guys aren't invited now. Um, but with that, in, in my opinion, it put in our DNA, a belief and a responsibility to platform women leadership. And one of the things that I feel very strongly about and one of the things that I think church at times has failed to is to provide voices and opportunities to hear a perspective. And so it is with great anticipation that, that my friend Sarah comes up. She is a brilliant young lady who is not just smart and uh, she is in year four of her PhD program, three-ish, four-ish, five-ish, five-ish. She's in year five-ish of her PhD program in flute. No idea. Um, only that she is brilliant. Uh, but what is, is even more uh, amazing to Zan and I is your heart. And so that's what we've invited, um, and, and that's what we look forward to. So have fun, and why don't we welcome Sarah. Hey, I think, yes, I'm on. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. <laughs> um, so it's kind of funny for me to be standing up here because I, you know, I talk to people sometimes about things. <laughs> but usually it's about something super nerdy and related to music. <laughs> so um, I'm really excited to be talking to you this morning. And I, it's really my heart that, that you don't hear me, but that you hear what the Lord has to say to you this morning. And I do have one disclaimer as I, as I start talking here. Um, and it's that I'm really pretty bad at telling stories. <laughs> so this probably won't be a Pastor Dave-like sermon because he's very good at telling stories. Um, and I don't know if this has happened to any of you, but you know, you tell a story and then um, you, get, you go through it and you, and you get to the climax and then it's just really anticlimactic, right? And then, like, your friends, they have to say something interesting, like, and then you found $5, right? You know, just to kind of try to redeem the story for you. Has that happened to anyone? Okay, okay. Um, so I'm going to tell you one story <laughs> as an introduction uh, to what I want to talk about. And this is a story of how I decided to play the flute. And um, so I started when I was in fifth grade, as you know, a lot of kids do, start band, and, and I was really excited, and um, you know, I really wanted to play the trumpet. <laughs> so I, I went to the, there's, a, there's like a night where you go and the band director helps you try all the instruments, 
Um, and they want to see, you know, like what's most natural for you and, and how are your lips structured and, and what do we really want you to play in this band, right? And so I go to this and um, apparently I can make a sound on the flute, which is really saying something <laughs> at the beginning. Um, and so it turned out that my, a friend of my family had a flute that I could use for free and we couldn't find a trumpet and no one else wanted to play the, fruit, the flute, which is really weird too, because usually there's like 500 flute players in the band. Um, so I, play the flute, I started playing the flute. Um, and I don't know, how many of you guys, how many of your parents have had kids start in band? Yeah, you know that it's really kind of terrible at the beginning, right? Um, like it doesn't, it doesn't sound like the instrument that it's supposed to sound like. It might, it might sound like a cow or a train or some terrible bird. I don't know. Um, but, <laughs> but you encourage them, right? Because you know that that is part of the process. That's kind of where they have to begin in order to, um, to eventually be able to sound good on the instrument. Um, and so that really happened to me, of course. You know, it took me a couple years to, um, for my flute to start sounding like a flute. <laughs> and as I went on, um, you know, you develop skills. You start to develop physical techniques um, that you can use as you play the instrument. And then eventually, you might even say that something beautiful starts happening, um, which is super exciting. And as I've gone through the process, and, and now I've been uh, playing the flute for around 20 years, um, you see that the, all of your skills and all of that process um, has allowed you to come to a place where you can communicate something. You know, you can, you can express something that is way bigger than yourself, um, something that you couldn't even really imagine. Um, and so I think, you know, that's part of the reason that we need processes. Like we couldn't, I couldn't go from um, my fifth grade flute self to um, where I am now, crazily finishing a doctorate in flute performance. Um, you know, that just wasn't going to work. Like, I, I couldn't have all those skills at that time. Like, I didn't know how to handle them. Um, and so I was thinking about that. I think that, that's why we have processes in our lives, I think. We need to develop those skills. We need to um, figure out how to use them with confidence so it builds our confidence. Um, I think processes also take away the stuff that we don't need um, and really refine what we're doing. And I was thinking of how in scripture it talks about how in our lives we're often being refined, like gold or silver is refined with fire. Um, and that process is so that the precious things of God um, would be the things that, that remain in us. Um, but I really think that's, that's how we feel about processes sometimes right, like it's a fire, <laughs> um, we can see the good things about them and we can also see the bad things about them. Um, <clears throat> so then I was, I was reflecting on, um, you know, how do I react to processes in my life? How do I react to this thing that I've decided to do, um, play the flute for my entire life? Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't really end, you know, there's not really a finished product for that. Um, Sometimes I can be committed, you know? Sometimes I, I feel diligent, I am patient, and I'm thankful. Sometimes there's, there's joy in it, and I like 
I like the challenge. I like problem solving. I like um, the excitement. Sometimes I can celebrate what the process is doing. I can see the progress, and I feel content. And I was thinking about how it's kind of like painting a picture, which is something that I really can't do at all. I have no artistic skills whatsoever. Um, but you know, sometimes in the process, I really thrive in the activity itself, in, in the activity of painting the picture. But then other times, I see in myself rebellion. I see impatience, and I want, I want the results now. I want the finished product without the process. And I'm scared. I'm scared of disappointment. I'm scared of rejection. I want to grab hold of the process and make it go the way that I want it to go. <clears throat> and I want instant gratification, right? I want, I guess it's like I want the big picture. I want the entire painting without painting all the details, <clears throat> which again, is not really possible. And so maybe, maybe right now you're thinking of a process in your life. You know, it could, be, it could be anything. I think our lives are full of processes inside of processes, right? Maybe <clears throat> there's a relationship, maybe your career, maybe a skill you're trying to learn, maybe it's going after a goal, maybe it's pursuing Jesus as we're all in the process of doing. So I think we all have these and we all have our reactions to them. And so, I was thinking, you know, what is that, as humans, what, is, what do we do? Like, what sometimes happens to us as we walk through processes? John 10.10 10 says that the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus came that we would have life abundantly and to the full. And I wonder if sometimes the enemy uses the processes in our lives to steal from us a little bit. Um, so what might that look like? You know, sometimes I think we get to this place where we forget that everything is a process and that it's okay that it is. Um, so we kind of have an unbalanced perspective. And we get a little bit obsessed with the results and the instant gratification. Maybe we feel trapped in a process. Um, we feel burdened by the stuff that's hard about it, which is legitimate, right? We all have that. But in that, we're robbed of life. Or maybe we, we're rebellious and we, we want to abandon the process and we want to refuse it. And we rebel against the purposes that God has for us. Or maybe we walk through a process kind of with drudgery and we don't know how to acknowledge that we're making progress. We, we're discontent and disappointed and disillusioned by it. And so I was asking myself, what? I mean, we can relate to that. Right? Can we all relate to it? Um, but I was asking myself, what, what would it be like to walk through a process being fully alive? What if we were walking through a process and we had the fullness of joy, no matter what it looked like, and we were aligned with the Father in it? Um, and so then I started thinking about the life of Jesus and um, how his ministry really was, was his own kind of process, right? And, and much like... Um, the kinds of things that we go through. And it's inter interesting because <clears throat> God could have just shown up and, and done everything in an instant, right? He could have fulfilled everything that he wanted to do um, right away. 
But he laid out this plan in the life of Jesus, and it had steps, and it had um, different pieces that had to go in place, and it happened over a period of time. And he chose that, to do it that way. <clears throat> he chose a process. And if you haven't figured out yet, this is the, this is the strange place that I'm talking about, um, God in the process. So if I kind of summarize you know, what happened to him, he, <clears throat> he lived a pretty ordinary life, right? He grew up, he, he learned a skill, and then when he was well into adulthood, um, it kind of started, right? He was baptized, and the Holy Spirit came upon him. He was tempted in the desert. He started traveling all around, um, <clears throat> encountering people, broken people, right? Um, he started healing them. He started doing miracles that people could have never imagined. And these people, they needed to hear the truth, so he started teaching. And he was constantly coming up with different ways to explain stuff, right? Different um, individual methods of, of how he could communicate with people. But then in all of that, he was rejected a lot. Some believed in him, but then lots of others didn't believe, and they were offended. And then there was the relationships with his disciples, which had to have been super hard, right? These guys didn't know what was going on, really, for most of the time. Um, and so he was constantly around them, constantly loving them, patient with them. And in all this, there was like this increasing political and religious turmoil, right? That was all, the, all of the amazing things he was doing, that he was stirring it up. And then, through all of that, he knew, right? He knew the end of the process. He knew the kind of death that he would endure, the humiliation and the pain of it. And he knew that he would rise again. <clears throat> and so there were lots of adversities in this process, right, that we can relate to. Temptation, exhaustion. Pastor Dave talked about that a couple weeks ago. Jesus was vulnerable and emotional. Um, he dealt with rejection. He wished it could be different sometimes, like in the garden when he asked the Father to take it from him, if he could. But then what, what was it really? What was it that kept him true to the process? How did he keep, you know, how did he keep walking through all of this? And as I, I was kind of reading through the Gospels, I, there were three things that struck me about it. The first is that in the process, Jesus had power. And it was supplied from the very beginning of his ministry. Right when he, when he came to John and, and got baptized, and it says that the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. And then a voice came from heaven and spoke about him. So right away, right away in Jesus' process, there was power. And then as he went, he had this unbroken communion with the Father. Even after the exhausting multitudes, as it says, even after um, he tries to get away from him and they chase him around the lake, um, he, found, he found that time. He, he found that time to go to the Father to get everything he needed to get his, his supply from him. And so constant was the power of God in Jesus that power would go out of him when he didn't even know it, right? Like, 
the bleeding woman, how she came and touched him. And he was unaware of it until he felt the power go out. And so I, I guess I ask you, I, guess I ask myself, do we forget sometimes that that same power lives in us and can supply us constantly? You know, we, t we too, sorry, I touched my microphone. <laughs> we too are baptized in the Holy Spirit. We too can have unbroken communion with the Father. And maybe we need power today to take just a physical step in our process. Maybe we need the power to pray for healing for someone. Maybe we need power to play a musical instrument. But I think no matter what the reason, uh, the power of God is available to us for his purposes and for his glory in every part of our lives. So the second thing that, I, that struck me is that Jesus had perspective. He, acknowledges, he acknowledged the realities of the process. There's a part in John where it talks about how Jesus knew what was in a man. He didn't need anyone to, to testify about a man because he knew what was in him. <clears throat> so he saw, he saw the hardness and the brokenness of man, and he saw the rejection he would face, and he didn't deny it. You know, he didn't deny the difficulties of the process. And in his perspective, Jesus knew to whom he answered, right? He was about his father's business, doing his will. At one time when they were looking for him, he said, didn't you know that I must be about my father's business? And he would say things like, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And it is not my will, but the will of my father who is in heaven. And the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. So he knew, he knew that this, this wasn't even his process, right? He knew that it, was, it belonged to the father. And ultimately, he didn't control it. And then the third part of his perspective that he had is he saw the big picture. He knew the end of the process. He prophesied about it repeatedly, right? What was going to happen to him. So he knew why he was doing this, this process. He knew the results, and he was secure in it, even though he still had to walk in it, right? He was therefore able to live every moment fully because he knew that the fulfillment of the process would come in his faithfulness. So I think we can see Jesus was the right amount of being in the moment and being big picture and he was realistic, but also idealistic. And he knew the realities of the process. He knew the creator of the process. He knew the results of the process. And I think all of that together, in all of that, he could be fully alive, even as he walked through it, not beaten down. So I ask again, what, what if we look to him for perspective this morning? It says in John 15 that Jesus has called us friends and that he wants to share all the things that his Father has made known to him with us. So will we look to, look to him for that this morning? So power, perspective, 
And lastly, creativity. I was reading some of those stories in the Gospels, and I was really struck by how Jesus healed people differently, right? He could have, he could have just done it the same way every time, but he didn't. So there's, there's this time where these guys are sitting on the side of the road and yelling to him and, and wanting them to heal him. And it says, so Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. So he touched them. And then in another story, <clears throat> another blind man, and it says in John 9, when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. So, I mean, why did he have to use the clay? You know, it's kind of weird. Right, why, why didn't he just touch that guy? <clears throat> and I wonder, I wonder if this part of the, the joy of the process for Jesus was the creativity in it. You know, he could have just like sort of set up this like assembly line sort of healing, you know, where you just kind of like go down the line and it's just like healing, healing, healing. And like it looked the same every time, but he didn't. And I wonder, I wonder today, would, would creativity free us in our processes? Is there potential in them that we can't imagine because of the one who holds them, our creator, who has no end to his creativity? Would that kind of openness to different methods and, and individual techniques, would that bring a freshness and a joy to our processes in our lives? So I think we, re we can really see that Jesus approached his ministry with, and the process of it with power and perspective and creativity. And I want to say to you this morning, not only do we have access to these things through our relationship with him, we even become more like him as we walk through the processes of our lives with our eyes on him. Right? It says in, in 2 Peter 1, that we have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness through knowing him. And that when we claim his promises, we actually become partakers of the divine nature and we become more and more like him. So will we receive these things this morning? Do you need, do you need power in your processes? Do you need a fresh perspective? Do you need creative ideas for how to move forward? I, all of these things are available to us in our Lord Jesus. Would you guys go ahead and, and stand with me? I, I had some things that I, that I felt like um, the Lord was sort of declaring over this time. And so I, I want to read them to you now. Um, so go ahead and, and just reflect in, in whatever way you need. Receive in whatever way you need. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and, and declare. So <clears throat> I would tell you this morning that your Lord is the holder of all that you need, and in him is the fullness of joy. 
I would tell you that the Father's supply is endless, that his provision is perfect. It exceeds our imaginations and is more abundant than anything we can comprehend. I would tell you that Jesus holds out to you his own life at every point in the process, that he leads you by your right hand, that he has plans to accomplish his purposes in your life. I would tell you that you have a helper, the Holy Spirit, who wants to remind you of all the things the Father has said to you, who would reveal to you countless creative ideas, who would pour out power from on high into the processes of your life. So would you pray with me now? Father, thank you. Lord, would you, would you let only what is good and true in my words be the things that remain? Lord, would you speak to hearts now? God, would you point, would you point to our processes in our lives? Lord, would you, would you speak to them? God, thank you that you know. Lord, you know, you know how we feel about them. You know if we feel trapped. You know if we feel burdened. You know if we need freshness. God, you know if we are drudging along through our lives. Father, so I ask that you would come and provide. God, would you, would you bring power to those situations? God, would you bring us perspective? Lord, would you renew our mind about the processes in our lives? Lord, would you bring creativity? God, all of the endless ideas, all of the, the power that you put into creation, God, would, would, that, would those ideas, would that power come into our lives now? Father, thank you that you walk with us. God, that you are close at hand in all the processes in our lives. And everybody said, amen, amen. in Jesus' name. Let's give her a hand. We are truly blessed to have young men and women who have not only the call of God on their lives, but the capacity and the competency to share that. So I want to close with this. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ.